I am Shondell Wilhite, and I was once a victim of sexual and domestic abuse until one day I realized that I had a problem and decided to do something about it. Then I began to shine. I S spoke out and got out of that toxic relationship. H helped myself. I ignited my own fire. N I never looked back. And E I evolved. I am the published author of my first book entitled The Reality Behind the Illusion. And I am making a difference through my truths and inspiring lives on how to defeat giants of sexual and domestic abuse. I changed my mind about being afraid and ashamed of my past, and instead now I embrace it so that I can reach out to others and let them know they are not alone and they too can shine. Good evening. Welcome to Shine with Shondell. I am your host, Shondell Wilhite, and we have an amazing show lined up for you tonight. This evening, we will be talking about uh, child sex abuse, and we have the beautiful Miss Michelle Knight on with us. She currently holds an AS of criminal justice, BS of uh, psychology, and uh, MS of health care administration. She is now the author or unauthor because she has several books. And her most recent book that she has written is called Shh, Don't Tell. She is an advocate against domestic violence, and I want to bring her right on into the room this evening. How are you, Miss Michelle? Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm blessed. Thank you for asking. How are you? I guess I just muted, muted myself. I am well. <laughs> I'm pushing buttons in here. Don't know what I'm doing tonight. Look, I was pushing <laughs> buttons too. <laughs> I'm so glad to have you with us this evening. I'm th- I'm grateful for the platform. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, yes. This is uh, another one of those clubhouse connections. So I encourage those of you that are listening in or will be listening to to join clubhouse find somebody that can send you an invite and jump right on into um, the clubhouse platform because i've been making many connections on there and this is one of them and this evening uh we're talking child sexual abuse your voice matters so we're just going to jump right on in here and have Michelle to just tell us a little bit about her. Um, where did you grow up? And give me a little fun fact about you. Um, well, I was born in New Orleans, Louisiana, and raised in Marrero, Louisiana, which is just on the other side of New Orleans. Um, it's just, we're separated by a body of water. That's all. But we're all New Orleans people. So, you know, Cajuns, we still have fun. Good time. Um, and a fun fact about myself, that was a hard one because <laughs> I sat here, I, I called my sister, I asked my husband. And I was like, am I any fun at all? So I, <laughs> I, I just really had to think on that one. So I came up with... Um, I love to ride roller coasters, but I ride roller coasters with my eyes closed. And mm-hmm. people always ask, "Why? what's the purpose of getting on a roller coaster if you're going to ride with your eyes closed? Um, I don't want to see if I'm going to die. Just let me die on the impact and just go about <laughs> it. But I love the joy of, you know, the ups and downs and arounds uh-huh. and rounds. So, yeah. So that's that's my fun fact. You know, I think we all uh, ride, well, not all of us, I'm going to include myself because I ride roller coasters with my eyes closed too because I don't want to see 
I don't want to see if I'm going to die right away either. Just yeah, let me I, feel I, it. Yeah, just let me go. Just at least they know I had fun. It was my choice to go on it. I don't want to see nothing, but I'm having fun. It was a good time while it lasted. Exactly, exactly. Yes. So, yeah, I, you know, my girlfriend and I, we go, we used to go to Six Flags here quite often before COVID. Mm-hmm. And we would get a season pass and we would just call each other up. We'd like, you know, you want to go to Six Flags today? Mm-hmm. And we'll just go by ourselves. We don't mm-hmm. tell nobody because we just go, we jump on all of the roller coasters. Especially don't tell ha- the children. Don't I, tell I the know, children. None of that. Uh-uh. <laughs> We're not know. telling nobody. <laughs> They'll just see the pictures once we post them. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mama, did you go to Six Flags today? Baby, that's not me. I don't know what you're talking about. That is not me. And see, but, my uh, kids are grown, but my grandkids, especially my grandson, you left me. You went to six mm-hmm, flags without me. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just needed a day, baby. I just needed one That's day. Just one all, day. just yeah. a day. And here we are, big old kids, 40, mm-hmm. 40, 50 plus years old out here on roller coasters and things. Like, whatever. Still trying to act like we 30. And look, <laughs> We pay for it because our back hurt, legs hurt. Right. We ain't young no more. Them rocks exactly. slinging us around like we done been beat up coming I'm out of a car you. accident. <laughs> and get off laughing like we just done had the best time ever. Yes, ma'am. And then and then laying in the bed for about three or four days after that with some Tylenol. Yes, ma'am. Them seats not the I same know. either. Don't the seats feel like they got smaller? Or is yes. it that we got bigger? Yes, yes. Yeah. And I'm just like, and you get on there, and then I hate that sound, you know, like when you're going up that mm-hmm. first hill and that clacking sound, like, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. Oh no, what my eyes are doing? tight, like tight, tight, tight. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, okay, well then just tell me something else there. How was it for you growing up? Were you. Were you athletic? You know, were you shy? Were you popular in school? How was it for you growing up? I definitely was not the popular child. Um, okay. <laughs> not at all okay. by far. Um, I was more uh, introvert. I wanted to be popular. Um, but my mom, they couldn't afford the the special clothes. Like, you know, mm-hmm. back in the day we had, like, for example, my mom bought my clothes from Kmart. So mm-hmm. I wanted Converse. So my mom would say, you better write with Converse on them shoes. And they came <laughs> in the same color. <laughs> you know, you can get the black, the pink, the turquoise, write yep. Converse on nobody. I never know. And but they do know. They, they, they do. pay attention. Yeah, they pay attention. <laughs> so they make fun of you. And then my mom would give me those garbadine pants. I don't know if you know what garbadine pants, but it's the older pants, the pants that the older older people wear them knit pants that you oh can't hold them up you can't pretend yes. yeah my mama did me but every school <laughs> year the first day of school I would wear my Easter dress and I would have um you know how y'all used to have the little beehive hairstyle my mama would roll uh-huh. my hair up and put that little beehive at the top of my head and I go on my knee highs while everybody else went in their regular school clothes you know they excited I'm excited too until I got to put that outfit on um, mm-hmm, the very mm-hmm. first day. So I'm like, man, everybody else looking cute. And here I am. Man, this, is this the day I'm going to run away? Because I'm not feeling so good <laughs> with this outfit. Um, my parents, they, um, they were very strict. I yeah. love my mommy and my daddy. Um, and I thank God they were strict. But their main focus was not my grades. It wasn't that um, whether what I was doing in school, it was just to keep me away from boys. And, mm. and even though they wanted to keep me away from boys, my own family member got me. So their focus to me was not what it should have been. You know, most parents, they're focused on being part of the um, PTA meetings, what your grades are. I I got to a point where I started making all F's. I was going to sleep in class and it, mm-hmm. it mattered not, you know. So I definitely wasn't the most popular. Um, I was, I just started acting out. I was a bad child. 
thank God my children are nothing like me. My mom always used, you know, the old saying where they say your children are going to be your, um, your, your two bit change. Uh-huh. Well, I got $3. Mm-hmm. And I said, mama, you didn't tell me I was going to get $3. You said I was only going to get two bit change. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't got no change at all. So, um, I have three, three wonderful children and thank God. Oh, hallelujah. There are nothing like I was, um, because I went through so many different things in my life. So yeah, um, I, I just, I was bad. Yeah. And you know, I just um, hear, I'm listening to what you're saying. And, you know, the fact that they, that you say your parents weren't really focused on your grades. <clears throat> so I'm wondering, did you just even feel like that was a priority for you to make good grades or were you making good grades initially and things just started happening for you and the grades went down? Um, I, w- I was a smart child. I'm not going to okay. say I was dumb. Uh, yeah, I was yeah. smart. I'm still smart. Yeah. Um, it just, for example, um, I guess I think I did things for attention. And then especially yeah. when that situation occurred. So, for mm-hmm. example, um, I became really ugly with my little brother because mm-hmm. um, that was my stepbrother. So like with my little brother, when my mom was dropped me off by my grandmother, um, I would tell I, I one time I told my little brother, I said, you want to play haircut? Because I was upset. My mom dropped us off by my grandmother. I said, you mm-hmm. want to play haircut? And he was like, yeah. So I cut this big circle in the top of his head. Oh and so I was like, gosh. oh, I pray to God my mom and them don't see it. And it was like with the big black scissors that yeah. we used to have back in the day. Those heavy ones, uh-huh. Yeah, they cut so good. <laughs> I know they were going to cut that good. And so wow. <laughs> it was like three snips and his hair was gone. And so oh, I was like, ooh. Goodness. And that was the worst beating I got in my life. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. But I would just do things, you know, to kind of get attention to say, hey, mom, you know, look at me. I'm here. Mm -hmm. Um, And just from there, you know, I would get punished for certain things. I think I was I say my my parents don't agree with it, but I was the only child to get weapons. Um, My brother didn't. My brother under me didn't get weapons. My sister under me didn't get weapons. Um, and then the baby boy didn't get weapons. I was the only one to get in trouble for literally everything. And so, so was the it more, four of y'all? It was four of us. One of okay. one of one of uh, my little brother passed when he was 15. He was killed um by someone else. Um, but it was four of us, and I was the only one to get weapons. Literally. Um I well, let me take that back. My brother under me, he got a whooping one time. And that was because he was trying to take up for me because my dad asked him a question and he was trying to lie for me. And so um, because he was lying for me, he got the whooping too. Mm-hmm. My daddy just was like, yeah. And so after that, I, I was just on my own. Uh, he was like, I'm wow. not catching no more of them whoopings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. I I stayed in trouble. It was dang if I do, dang if I don't. So it really just didn't matter. When you talk about, you said, you you briefly mentioned when the situation happened. Mm -hmm. And um, before we we go on with um, the interview, I would like for you to tell tell us what situation you were talking about um because again we're talking child sex child sexual abuse this evening your voice matters so tell us about um the incident you were talking about so my parents um they both worked my dad worked during the day and um he was a truck driver Mm-hmm. And of course, he would be gone for days at a time. Uh, my mom only worked in the evening time. Um, so she was home most of the days, except for the days that she was off, of course. Um, mm-hmm. So my stepbrother, he would be, he would come and go. Of course, his mom lived in another part of Louisiana. So sometimes he would come and live with my parents and sometimes, sometimes he wouldn't. But it would be those times that he would come. 
And so this one particular time when he did come um, and we were left at home alone, he had this game he um, played called Pony. And so this, I never, I didn't think about it when I was a child. I I didn't know what it was. I mean, we ran through the house and I, I enjoyed it. I, it's my brother, mm-hmm. you know, we're at home. And now they call it trickery because when you're making it out of a game, instead of just doing it, it's something different. But back in those days, you just, you kind of just go along with it. And then this one particular day, because we had done it so much, it just, it went too far. And so I didn't realize that it had went too far until it went too far because I had questions in my mind. Well, why did you do that? Why would you do that to me? I'm your sister. And from there, I couldn't look at him. I couldn't speak to him. I I just, being around him, even today, cringes me. We don't speak. We don't talk. And it took me 40 years to even tell my parents. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and when the last time we spoke um, or was in the same room, my dad asked me why do y'all have such a bad relationship? And I mentioned the word pony and it shut him up because he knew what I was talking about. It was like, he want, he thought I had forgotten, but I didn't forget. Mm-hmm. I wanted to forget, but I couldn't forget because you took something away from me. And then from that point, when you took that away from me, my whole mindset changed. It was like, I went into a depression, the way I dressed, the way I talked, the way I acted was totally different it was like I felt like every man expected the same thing now so when I come around males this is how I'm going to act it wasn't that Mm. I shut myself out it was that I was giving myself up now he didn't took it from me now I might as well give it up to everybody else kind of thing and so when you go then when I'm in school you know my mama had me with them gabardine pants on and I didn't have the latest clothes on. I'm trying to fit in, but it was like, everybody can look at me and see what happened. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, uh, cause when I think about that, cause I've always felt like, you know, when something like that happens to us as children, um, and sometimes even adults, but I, I, I say more or less children, it, it, it makes us do one of two things, which is come, become very promiscuous mm-hmm. or you just get to a point to where you're just like, you know, I don't want to have anybody ever touch me again mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I think mm-hmm. it's either... I don't think it's really a, a in between. It, you know, it's possible that it could be, but I, I I understand and I can totally relate to what you're saying because uh, for me, I was very promiscuous too mm-hmm. when it happened mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. So I can totally relate to that. And then you say, you know, you changed the way you dressed and everything. So was there a time when you you left the house with one thing on, but once you left the house, you know, you changed into something else? Was it one of the, those to. kind of things? I didn't have to. My mom didn't pay attention. Mm. It, it was like, you know... The way I acted, it, it it just nobody paid attention. It was like nobody cared. Like I said, you know, my parents, their primary thing was you can't stay for after school activities. So that meant I couldn't do cheerleading, I couldn't do basketball, I couldn't do this, I couldn't do that, I couldn't have anybody, um, no sleepovers. For example, if my friend had a slumber party across the street. All I was supposed to do was go get my cake and ice cream and come back to the house. That's it. Mm, you know what yeah. I mean? So they were protecting me, but they were they wasn't protecting me. So I can go to school with anything I wanted to have on 
or I can have on the tightest fitting jeans. And then when I got to school, all I had to do was fold them up and roll them up and walk around and just, you know, roll my little shirt down a little bit or whatever. And Mm -hmm. whatever everybody called me, whatever, because now I'm in defense mode. So now I'm a bully because you come, you step to me wrong. It's on. We can fight. It's not a problem. So now I've become a disciplinary problem, you know, so I started you sitting in my seat. I'm gonna beat you up. Mm-hmm. So how mom, old were you when when all of that happened? Um, I was just I had just turned twelve okay. um, when that happened. But me and him had started playing the game, you know, at least a year prior mm-hmm. to. But that when the actual incident happened, because I didn't understand what a hard on was up until. It actually happened. He actually penetrated. So you can, you can feel, I I remember feeling it and I would wonder what was that? Yeah. And then finally it happened. So after the incident happened, my mom could tell you, I felt like I was at her school every day because she was doing something wrong. She was in trouble for this. She was in trouble for that. But it would never be, I'm I'm worried about how is she doing in school? Why she did this? Um, I had to go to summer school. You 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 out of work, you're gonna pay for your own summer school. Okay, not a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, dad dropped me off at work. I'm a, and I'll leave from work and I'll go by my boyfriend's house, my other boyfriend. You know, mm-hmm. I couldn't have a boyfriend, but had a boyfriend. Yeah. You know, that was older than I was. I mean, you know. Everything is already broken. Everything's already taken from me. You know, everybody already think I'm a hoe. I might as well be what they think. Mm-hmm. So this is what's in my mind. Yeah. You know, I can try and be a good girl, but you can't erase what has already been done, what you've already been called. And that's what I, I would always tell my daughter. You know, once you get that label, you carry that label for the remaining of time that you're in high school. It's it's no yeah. take it's no take back it's no give me back. So you know it's it's so um it's it's just incredible how you know so much happens with us and it just changes us all together mm-hmm. and we get these thoughts in our mind in our heads and you know because we don't know any better. Because we we weren't really taught, Mm -hmm. you know, what this was, you know, Mm -hmm. and you knew that something wrong happened Mm -hmm. when it happened. But it was just like, it sounds like, you know, you were never sat down and talked to about sex and neither was I. You know, the the whole thing was you're just not supposed to be around boys. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, when I got my period, my mm-hmm. mom, you know, brought me in the bathroom, put this big diaper, her diaper, you know, mm-hmm. the one that stretched from your navel to your back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> that's yeah. what I had. And, and you know, she said, that's, it's going to have, it, you, you're going to have it for the rest of your life. And I sat on the sofa, you know, for days because I thought everybody can see through my clothes. Yeah. Nobody told me that you know, this happens when somebody asks me, you know, did you get your period or do you know what a period is? I say, yeah, sure. It goes at the end of the sentence. So I make it my business mm-hmm. with my girls. I make sure I explain that to them. That is not something that just goes at the end of the sentence. So like with my 12 year old, my 12 year old, I make sure I make it a point to say, you know, this is something that's going to happen. This is A, B and C. You're going to have it for this song. It comes at this time. Mm-hmm. You know, things that people did not tell me they were only concerned about the boys yeah but this is all a part of the boys there's warning signs you know and then if you don't tell your child that it could be anybody you know it could be a family member it can be a boyfriend you just met um I understand you have to work I I got it sis I got it but you can't just leave your kids with anybody because you never know their intentions. You know, they have two movies that's out. They have Precious 
where she was raped by her stepfather. And then you have um, the movie, I think it's America's. And in that movie, it was um, played by Julia Roberts. And with Julia Roberts, she had five kids and she had just met a man. You all right? She had just met a man and Mm -hmm. she went to work and the man raped her daughter and the other kids were in the room. And when she came home, he beat the snot out of her because he caught, she caught him raping her, I think eight year old daughter. Oh my goodness. So it, it happens. I mean, there's versions, but I think in the minds of parents nowadays, it's, they're actors, they're going to get up and they're going to go home. Yeah. The reality is this actually happens. And it's a lot of kids that don't just get up and go home. That's true. That is so true. And, you know, the fact that it's just such a hush-hush conversation Mm -hmm. is something that definitely needs to be talked about. And not just you know, looked over or swept under the rug or just passive, that kind of thing. Because as you and I both know, it's life-changing. It is. It is life-changing. And you mentioned in your bio that you always dreamed of being in the military. So tell me about um, how that dream came true. So with the military, because of my situation, the way I live, mm-hmm. again, not saying that my parents, my dad and my mom were bad. I love my mom yeah. and my dad. And I know yeah. they, they made sure that, you know, me and my siblings had everything that we needed. Um, I, I think they parented the way their parents parented. And yeah. it wasn't a focus on education. Um, most Black families didn't focus on education back in the day. I'm not sure how they parented, but it wasn't a focus. Most most families had 13 kids, 14 kids. So Mm -hmm. it was a different way of parenting. My grandmother had, I want to say, nine kids, eight kids. Um, So it was this one commercial that would always come on TV that would catch my eye. Mm-hmm. The army does more before eight o'clock than most people do all day. And I'm me being curious. That's not possible. You can't possibly do more than before eight o'clock <laughs> than most people do all day. I, yeah. I, I gotta see. I gotta know. I wanna know. And then of course, you know, the the benefits of everything that they said that they offered. I said one day I'm gonna be in the army. That's gonna be my career. And I would watch that video every time it would come on. It would just amaze me. And so as life went on and watching my family and the dem- demographics of my family, you know, a lot of them being on Section 8, not saying Section 8 is bad. Some yeah. people have to live how they live. Um, mm-hmm. I just felt like God had more for me. I'm different. I'm smart. Yeah. I just need to be a, and I need to be away. I need to be in a situation to where I have people that's more like me. Um, I used to tell my mom all the time, I have to be adopted because I am nothing like any of these people in my family. (laughs) I have to be. (laughs) I cannot, I'm nothing like you people because you're home with you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I just, I used to dream so much to where I, I, I just have to get out of this surrounding. You know, everybody wanted to, work at little work at Popeye's and McDonald's yep. and they were they were happy they were content mm-hmm. I've never been content with working at a fast food place or a McDonald's I thought I was too cute and too bougie for that yeah. not saying anything's wrong with it mm-hmm. people gotta live how they live but I knew you just wanted I more was, I wanted more yeah and so finally um I had ran away from home um, I, I don't even remember why I ran away from home, but I ran away from home. Um, I, I had a boyfriend then as well, whom I'm married to right now. Um, mm-hmm. He was my best friend when I was 14. Um, 
And so I ran away and my dad and them had me flashed all over the news. Oh my God. I seen my picture on the news. I felt like I was on the milk carton. And wow. so I, I, I had to come home. And so, cause I was like, oh my God, OMG. Okay. They do care. So I'm mm-hmm. on this milk carton. Um, and so I came back home and my mom was like, you know, why'd you leave? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know, I, but then I had met somebody else while I was gone. I was only gone for like three days and I met a guy in Popeye's and I yeah. said, you know what? Um, this is my ticket. This is my ticket right here. Cause my dad would always tell me the only two ways out of this house is for you to be married or for you, for me to kill you. I said, Oh, um, marriage, one marriage ticket, please. Yeah. And so, <laughs> ticket exactly for one. <laughs> that one. Um, yes. Ticket for one, please. And I was 16. And so, um, I got married at 17, right. Um, after I turned 17, um, we got married and that was my first domestic violence relationship. I mean, we will fight over who would want food in the microwave. I mean, it was ridiculous. Um, yeah. And that was my first son that came out of that marriage. And I said, I this, uh-uh, I, I can't, I'm not going to do this anymore. And that commercial stuck with me. And so um, finally, I decided to go to a recruiting office. I found out what I needed to do. Um, my son had made two. I wanted to at least make sure he can tell on somebody just in case somebody had done him something. So when he turned to, I went into a recruiting office. I told him, Hey, get me out here. First place smoking. And so yeah. we did the paperwork and my mom was like, girl, you ain't going nowhere. You're going to be right here. You got this boy. And I was like, mama, I'm not playing. Here's the paperwork. He's your child for the next seven months. I love my baby. But mama got to go make a living for him. I'm doing this for him. I'm not going to mm-hmm. let him kill me. And I need to do this for him. And so my mom was like, no, you're not going anywhere. I was like, okay. I dropped my baby off that night before. And when she came to my apartment the next day, I, she was looking for me because I was gone. And wow. that was the best decision of my life. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, and so being married to this guy and at such a young age Mm -hmm. and just deciding, you know what, I'm not going to do this. I can't do this. I got to do something different. And I can just imagine you looking at that commercial once again just being in that situation in that moment and you're just sitting there, you know, and I'm just speculating how it went, how it happened, but, you know, I can just imagine that and just seeing that commercial and like, you know what, this, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. Yes, ma'am. I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here because it was either going to be him or me and it wasn't going to be me. Somebody got to live to tell the story. I had, I mean, I had literally cut his thumb off. That's how bad it was because we will fight over and he still wanted to fight. After somebody done cut your thumb off, you still want to ball your fist up? Boy, is you crazy? She done cut my thumb off and after they sold it on, you still want to lift that hand. See me, I was Uh, been deuces. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I I told him I wasn't scared no more. And see, and that's the thing, you know, once you can see it, because it was just like, for me, I saw, I said, you know what, I'm going to either end up dead or in jail, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. prison, mm-hmm. prison, yeah. mm-hmm. if I don't do something different. Mm-hmm. When I cut his thumb off, I called the police. I said, sir, I just cut my husband's thumb off. I am at such and such location. I'll be waiting for your squad car and I will get in willingly. And that is what I did um, because I wasn't going to take it anymore. And he said he wanted to press charges. And I told the police what happened. And the police said, um, the policeman said, well, both of y'all going to go to jail. He said, never mind. I want press charges. And I <laughs> said, oh, okay. And then he needed me to take care of him. I know you didn't want 
press charges because you knew you were wrong. We were fighting over yeah. smoked sausage. Who was going to the store to pick up smoked sausage? And I was pregnant. Oh, wow. So, I mean. Wow. I just really <laughs> couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. And just being in the military. So it was the army that you went to then, huh? I went to the army, but he okay. was before the army. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, while in the army, is that where you received or you earned your degrees? I started receiving my degrees. I started my degrees after I got out the military. Okay. Um, How long were you there? I was actually in total in between the uh, military and working with the VA 15 years. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love my branch. I love yeah. my veterans. I love, I just love the military as a whole. Yeah. It saved my life. Yeah, absolutely. And what influenced um, each of the degrees, the criminal justice, the psychology, and then the uh, healthcare administration? Don't laugh at me when I tell you, okay? Oh, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> So my my criminal justice, um, I wanted to be able to put my ex-husbands in jail. I just wanted to be the judge. I wanted to be a mm-hmm. judge. That was my mm-hmm. first thing. I just wanted to hit that gavel and say they're guilty. I don't even want to hear what they did. Just mm-hmm. gone. They got life. Put mm-hmm. them in jail. Um, yeah. I and can see so, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted yeah. to just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for my psychology, I just wanted to figure out why my family was crazy and why these men are so crazy. But, mm. you know, after doing my bachelor's, it didn't give me no answers. So I needed to move yeah. on. Yeah. And then um, for my master's, I wanted to continue to work in the healthcare f- system so I, I can continue to take care of my veterans because I loved my veterans so much. Yeah. So I had established a rapport and I started working here in Baton Rouge, um, some more at the um, VA Medical Center. And so that was my happy place. You know, it, it allowed me to get mental stability, um, working along the, carod- the camaraderie with my veterans because they're family. To me, all veterans are family. I don't care what branch they're in. They're all my family. Um, so when I see a veteran, I try to help a veteran out as much as I can because they are my family. Um, yeah. Each has a story. Um, and so I love to hear their stories because each one has mm-hmm. one uniquely different. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's just the the army is just it was my best friend at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just gave it allowed me to provide for my son was which was the best best thing because I went from working at McDonald's and getting a little three fifty five an hour mm-hmm. to buying my mom her first plane ticket to come see me in Washington State. And that wow. was an honor. So that was the first time my mom, my parents and my siblings were able to fly ever. So I bought them a plane ticket and I wasn't broke trying to do it. And didn't that make you feel so good that you were able to do that? Wonderful. And be oh able to God. provide for my son and yes. not have to fight for child support because mm-hmm. I didn't need it. I was yeah. happy. You know, yeah. I, my my son needed something. I was able to get it. My mom would call me. She'll say he need this, that, and the other. Not a problem, mama. I don't want you to spend out your pocket. Let me send it. I'm going to send you the money or I'm going to send you. You know, mm-hmm. Easter time, I would send him these huge baskets. It's just, it was a blessing. Yeah. And that was something I needed. It was something mm-hmm. I, I, I mourned for. You know, I was around right. people like me. And after being in a domestic violence relationship, you know, with the army, they break you down and they build, they rebuild your self-esteem and they rebuild your mentality. So it was all the things that I needed and to get my mind back to where I knew I was smart. I knew Mm -hmm. I can do this. I knew I can do that. And I, I, I just needed it. And the word that comes to my mind, just hearing that part is empowered. Mm-hmm. It was like yes, you just ma'am. became empowered. Yes, like ma'am. you could do whatever Anything. you wanted to do. 
and that you had the resources in order to be able to do it. And that was just that. And, you know, in that moment and at that time, that's exactly what you needed to be empowered. And had a good time doing it. Mm -hmm. And then when I looked at the people that were still left behind, you know, my high school friends or the people in my neighborhood or even my family, you know, they were still doing the same thing while I was going to Germany or I was living in Alabama or I was living in Mm -hmm. Washington State and North Carolina. You know, my kids have been acclimated to different schools in different places. So, you know, when they got older, they're able to just move out and not be afraid to leave Louisiana like Mm -hmm. most people are. So Mm -hmm. it's a wonderful thing. Oh, my God. I love it. I absolutely love it. And so now that, you know, you're out of the army and um, you have this book. Now, the one particular book that I'm talking about is Shh, Don't Tell. (laughs) Now, what influenced you to write that book? So I wrote that on behalf of um, me and my daughter. Um, because I wanted to be a voice for me, not only me and her, I wanted to be a voice for many other people who have not spoken up, Um, people who are still hurting from their situation that may have happened in their past. Um, I wanted to be a voice for little girls to understand um, warning signs, to give them a warning sign just in case they haven't had that conversation. I wanted to um, allot an opportunity for parents to have an easy way to open up the conversation because it is a a gentle book to help them open up the conversation to where it's not as harsh. My 12-year-old has read the book and she absolutely loves it. Mm -hmm. Um, She loves the way it was written with um, a small piece of sense of humor. But then also giving gentle words um, to where you can ask questions and they can understand it to where it's not just thrown at them. Mm -hmm. Um, It's well developed to where um, it it just gives them an idea of the trickery and that it can be done by a family member or um, someone outside of the family. It just opens up a lot of windows and doors for the conversation. So parents don't have to be afraid to have that conversation anymore um, because we want to protect our girls and our boys because it happens to boys too. Absolutely. I think that was a brilliant idea because it is such a hard subject to talk about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you said, it's just for for a child to understand you know, what's going on, what you're talking about and, and how these things come about, you know, and warning signs, you know, Mm -hmm. as far as what you experience yourself. And you mentioned that, you know, she was 12 years old when she read the book. And I recall you saying that you were 12 when, Mm -hmm. you know, everything happened to you that went extremely bad and so I just think that that was a brilliant idea to write a book like that for um, your daughter and for so many other uh, young teens uh, preteens and just young girls mm-hmm. period and so tell me how did Black Mom's reality bookcase come about um, I've had three different, um, Instagrams where, um, they all focused on helping young people. I had generation recharge. I love helping young people. Um, my daughter, she is my absolute best friend other than my husband. Um, she loves to bring her friends here, male and female. So we take mm-hmm. in a lot of young people, um, who don't have the parents that, have those open conversations. Me and my kids, we literally can talk about 
anything. Sex. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I have to tell my daughter, can you prepare me for the picture that you send me next time? Because, <laughs> you know, I wasn't prepared to see that picture. <laughs> you know, we literally talk about everything, every decision that we make, we make it together because I want her to be as open. She's married. She just got married. Um, my son, he's 25. We have the best, he's my best friend as well. We have conversations literally about everything. And now I'm grooming my 12 year old to be the same way as open with me. Um, so that way we can have those type of conversations. So mm -hmm. with my daughter bringing her friends here, we've, um, had some of them stay for three to six months. Um, so they can get themselves together. You know, we never ask them for any rent or anything like that. We just try to help them, you know, either go to the military, try and get them in school, try, just try to get them on their feet. Females, yeah. you know, when they don't have the female support or the mom support to try and get them focused. So I have my, I've become Mary and my husband has become Joseph. So we have children just everywhere. Um, God has, I'm just so glad they didn't come out of me. Um, yeah. Yeah, because I, oh Lord, I don't know mm -hmm. what my body would look like. Jesus. And but, so are uh, these children, are these children like, um, you know, are they, their parents like maybe have situations like maybe drug addictions or something like that to where they're being neglected or what, where, you know. It's a mixture. Or, it's okay. a mixture. Some of them just have a hostile relationship with their parents. Some of yeah. them um, just, I have one son who is always suicidal because of the way his, his father and his mother deals with him. Um, so, you know, he comes, he cries, he gets it out. We give him advice. He stayed here before. Um, so now we're trying to help him get his business up and running. Um, he's 20. He's 20. And so um, military wasn't for him. So we're fine with that. But we want to try and help you do something. It has yeah. to be something, you know. Um, so with Black Mom's reality, um, it basically comes, comes with the reality of life. It's so many books that focus on what you can be or um, what you want to be what you, when you grow up. Mm -hmm. But none of them ever talk about the struggle of reality before getting there. You know, in sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, you know, when 12th grade, you have to, my son used to say every morning when he woke up, when 12th grade started, mom, life about to start. Yes, son, it is. It's, it's surely about to start. I, I hope you done decided what yeah. you're about to do with life. Right. Yes, sir. It done started. You got, um, yeah, you got six months after, yeah, life has started. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people want to encourage their kids and I love that they encourage their kids they can be astronauts they can be this they can be that and the other but somewhere in between reality hits it doesn't always happen the way the kids uh, they get it from their parents it's not always portrayed in a reality factor you're not going to always go to high school and not have a bully or fail a class or have somebody to touch you in the wrong place you need to be able to know that your body is your temple and no means no because they have mm -hmm. some rough boys who don't understand the word no you know yep. you, you have to go to school and know your worth you have to go to school and not get depressed when one of these little girls little hot little girls or one of these popular little girls no longer wants to be your friend and then you yeah. get into this deep depression about you know what's wrong with me or why am I fat or why am I too skinny or why are my mm -hmm. eyes this, that, and the other, you know, it's, it's reality. Yeah. And so me, I have to focus on the reality because, you know, my daughter was suicidal, you know, I've been suicidal. I have a 12 year old who worries about every single thing in her life. She were, mm -hmm. she wanted, she wants to know why her pee white girl, cause you didn't drunk enough water. <laughs> that's normal you know 
So yeah, I mean, she, she wants to know, Mama, do I have COVID? Because I'm coughing. No, baby, you don't have COVID. Mama, mm-hmm. um, nobody ain't touched me, but my my period ain't came. Could it, my stomach hurt? Am I pregnant? No, girl, you ain't pro. We we was buying that in the name of Jesus, girl. Go I know that's right. You, you, you know what I mean? So she's yeah. worried about me catching a flight. I mean, she has nightmares. So. Is is how we feed our children in their brain. We want mm-hmm. them to be successful, but we also want them to know that reality is here. And as a yeah. black mom, I know reality. I've been through reality, and so I I, I want to be an advocate for reality for all of our queens and kings to let them know, son. If you on a football team and they've only put you in one time through the whole season, they're not going to draft you. That's reality. You yeah. might want to start looking for another job. And I told mm-hmm. that to my son because he swore to God he was going to be NFL's best. Son, you weigh 125 pounds, literally soaking wet. Mm-hmm. You ain't going, baby, college ain't looking for you. Not 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 for a scholarship. You can go to college, but the football team they they're not looking for you, baby. I'm sorry. So I'm a real I'm a realist. I'm not gonna lie to my children and tell yeah. them, yeah, you about to be the biggest baddest football player. Mm-mm. No sir, sorry. You going to the army? You about to find you about to go to college, or you about to get a good job because you're smart. Mm-hmm. That's your three options, but you will not be at one six. Such and such, 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 such a house. Okay. All right. And, you know, just the fact that <clears throat> you talk to them that way, um, you know, really, it's kind of like a two-headed uh, sword, you know, mm-hmm. because we want to encourage them, but we also mm-hmm. want to, you know, like you say, feed them the reality of this situation. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, not to just get your hopes up so mm-hmm. high to be right here when right. you're right here. Right. And, and if you're not working hard mm-hmm. to get right here, then it's probably going to all boil down to the fact that, yeah, you know, we're going to have to, you know, think about some other things, you know, hey, right. football is great, but, you mm-hmm. know, we've got to think about some other things as well, because even if you're not <laughs> going to go uh, pro, I mean, you could get hurt in high school, you could get hurt yeah. in college, mm-hmm. you know, and you still got to think about plan B, mm-hmm. that, what's that, going to exactly. happen. Exactly. What are you going to do if this happens? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we got our, we, we do have to prepare our children for the worst. And I love the fact that, you know, you and your, your husband open up your home um, to help these kids that, you know, are just struggling and, you know, not, not just really having to have someone there for them to help them along the way to help guide them and to to help them to get to a point in life where you know hey they can take care of themselves they can take it from there you know what I'm saying right and so I just think that that's that's wonderful that you were able to do that and the fact that you're you have such an open relationship uh with your kids and with with their friends and that they are able to come and talk to you because that's the thing I think for a lot of us you know we weren't Mm -hmm. able to talk to our parents growing up you know we were having to go and find out and figure out things Mm -hmm. on our own from Mm -hmm. other places and just like these kids are coming to your house I'm sure they're learning way more you know just being at your house and because you're so open openly talking to them that you know that they're not getting from their own parents and not to say you know like say uh, that the parents were bad parents but that's just right. the only way they know how to parent I and don't sugarcoat so, anything mm-hmm. literally yeah and I, I get it and I think I think that's I think that's wonderful and so um what are some of the signs that you would give parents to look for when it comes to child sex abuse? Because you you mentioned for you how thing you know you just start changing everything, change how you dress, how you acted, and you know just 
your whole life pretty much changed. So what are some of the signs that you would give to parents to look for when it comes to child sexual abuse? I would say, um, first of all, if you have a child who normally would make good grades and you see their grades suddenly decline, um, would be a major red flag. Um, if you see that they get tense around certain family members is another big red flag. Um, depression, severe and starting to appear severely depressed, kind of cut off, um, locking their doors when they didn't usually lock their doors. Um, if you normally had a good relationship, talking relationship, and they start to talk to you less and less, is another sign that something else may be wrong. Again, the change in their attire, either they may overdress or they may underdress or some, um, I've seen some, my daughter even started dressing in all black, um, mm. you know, with the nails and the lipstick. And I was just like, what the heck, Chuck? <laughs> what the? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's various signs to show that, you know, they may even run away from home. Um, and just overall not want to be bothered. Um, Mm -hmm. sometimes when they run away from home and and prayerfully you find them and and get them back home, sometimes they'll tell you what happened. Sometimes they won't. Um, it's just, it's, it's a number of clues that Mm -hmm. aren't always as obvious if we're not paying attention, you know? You just, you kind of have to just focus. And, you know, one thing I tell parents, I know the old saying is you cannot be a child's best friend. Um, Nowadays, you have to be. Because if you don't teach them and you don't talk to them, somebody else will. Mm -hmm. Somebody else will talk to your child. Somebody else will teach your child. And you don't want that somebody else to give them the wrong information you don't want that someone else to give them the wrong advice now at the end of the day I'm still the parent at the end of the day I'm still gonna tell them you know be quiet go clean your room um this that and the other but when it comes to conversations and going shopping and you know if they need somebody before they do anything they call mama they call me queen queen Mm -hmm. this the queen in the house right here before anything go down queen need to know Mm-hmm. And that's the way it is. And when they bring their friends, their friends come in. Yeah, we got to talk to Queen. Queen, Mama, they call me Mama too. Um, mama, um, I just call her, tell you, I love you. Or they'll text me. Um, Mother's Day, they'll come over. Father's Day, they'll come over. Um, we've gone on trips to Disney World. Mm-hmm. You know, I've taken some of them. So, I mean, it's just different things I try to to bring them places that they've never gone before what you've never gone to that restaurant before oh well let's go let's go on this journey let's go on this trip you know to to brighten their horizons a little bit because some people are afraid of even leaving out of Louisiana it's like Louisiana is the only only state on the whole planet they mm-hmm. they've never were literally left out of Louisiana. And so it's like, man, you've never even been to Texas. It's like right next door. Mm-hmm. So it's forget it's, about it's, the state. They ain't never yeah. left the neighborhood. <laughs> they ain't never left the neighborhood. And my kids <laughs> will be like, You ain't never even a 12-year-old, she's mm-hmm. like, What? Yeah. You know, red lobster to her is like Burger King. And exactly. so they're like, you know, so when we try to make them family we tell them automatically you're family I'm your mama he your daddy and that's the way it is you need anything you call us you tell us so if they're stopped on the side of the road they'll call my husband first so I mean I want I want to be the first one to talk to my children I want my children to be I want to be the first person my children talk to and I had to learn that the hard way so I just encourage parents to be more open with their children. You can still be a parent, but you can also still be your children's best friend. And I'm so thankful that I'm my children's best friend. I love it. So we're down to the end of the hour. So let us know quickly, where can we find um, your books? Um, You can actually find... Um, on Amazon, I'm on Amazon. And okay. I also have my website, which is B as in boy, 
M is in Mike, R is in um I'm trying to think of my military. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's like gone. R as in Romeo bookcase.com. So that's BMR bookcase.com. You can also find me on Instagram, um, Black Moms Reality underscore B as in boy dot C on Instagram. I love it. Thank you so much, Michelle, for joining us tonight and just sharing your story and everything that you're doing. It is so amazing um, just to listen to everything that you've talked about tonight and the the beautiful things that you're doing in the community and how you're helping children through books and um, even helping vets. So thank you so much for your contribution to the community. We really, really appreciate you and everything that you're doing. And that is going to do it for us this evening on Shine with Shondell. So join us in two weeks as we come back to Shine with Shondell. Have a great evening. Mm -hmm.